And we're back to Heart Fails 73. I have an eight-year-old daughter who whose name is Zora, and she spent this weekend being sick with the fever, and then on Monday she was blowing chunks, not once, not twice, but thrice. Aww. But it was, uh, it, it's been, since she's been in school, back in person in school, and we haven't been homeschooling and whatnot, I actually had the day to, you know, spend with my daughter again. So it was really cool because uh, I yeah. noticed, I, I think it was the last video, you're going out street preaching tonight. Um, yep. Yep. My, my, my brother in Christ, Stephen, is with me here. And I noticed on your last video that I think you posted, you had your Bible and then like stuck on the back of the Bible or whatnot, there was an issue of table talk going right up against it there. I noticed those little How things. How did you see that? Because I know that's, <laughs> that's what I do is I notice these little, little, in, little, little aspects of things. And it, it annoys my wife because I'm always pointing out things that I shouldn't most likely. But we. Well, so you find all the Easter eggs in movies and like. No, no. See, I don't watch movies anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> plus, I don't want to take the time to actually look for all that kind of stuff. I I am so behind. We get we get uh, table talk from our church, and I'm on the January 2021 issue here. Do you read them all the way through? Uh, t- typ- typically they're yeah. themed, and so because of that, it's really. It's actually almost like a little, like a little book because it's themed and it, because there's different authors. I, I love it. It shows the, mm-hmm. it shows the unity of the church, you know, and, on a subject. And so it's just really cool to, so typically I try to get through all of them when I can. So that's kind of like my, you know, I have my Bible reading and then I have like, you know, something like table or then I'll, um, then I'll have like confessional reading, like the confessions and then table yeah. talk is like. My fun, my fun thing while I'm uh, trying to truck through a book or something like that, which usually takes me like a year. So there you go. Um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So I, my, I love table talk, man. So my daughter's home alone. Well, I'm home alone with her, and I was reading some different books, and she was reading, and then she was going to have some lunch. So I was like, "Well, here, how about I read this? The meanest man in Texas." Um, it was a. Le- <laughs> Do you remember that at all, or? I don't know. Okay, so it was a it was a letter that was written to um, the Lingonier Ministries from a man in Texas. His name's Brett. Here's Brett's story. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, Some called me the meanest man in Texas, as I cannot imagine a worse human being than I was before my conversion. And it talks about how wow. he just did all this stuff, ends up in prison. Even in prison, he continues to be the meanest man in Texas. He ends up in solitary confinement. And then this guy that's like across the way from him in solitary holds up a copy of table talk and asks him if he wants it. And he's like, ah, whatever, I'm going to humor this guy. And so he throws out his fishing line or whatever to (laughs) use to pass magazines or whatever in prison. And he ends up reading it and he ends up being saved. He ends up being converted by it. And he wow, goes on cool. to get all these, uh, you know, um, degrees and different things. And he's even taken courses with the Ligonier Connect for the past several years. Um, it doesn't wow. sound like he's actually out of prison yet because it says at the very end, whether or not I ever leave prison and all things, I put my trust in Christ. So 
I, I read this to my daughter, <laughs> the whole letter, and she comes back with a really great question. She said something along the lines of, do you have to go through like a horrible life before you're saved? Wow. How's that for a, a father? Hey, come on, dad. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> how are you going to handle this one? <laughs> yeah. So what I thought of was actually a Shy Lynn song called Testify, which the Shy Lynn song starts with this guy named Mike Brown who's kind of, you know, he's a fighter and he goes to jail or he goes to prison, but then he gets saved. Um, and then the next verse goes to this girl who thinks that she's so smart and she knows it all. And she goes to an Ivy league college or wherever. And her roommate happens to be a Christian and she ends up being witnessed to by the roommate and then she's saved. And then the third experience, uh, uh, testimony from the song that is why I wanted to play it for her is about this girl who her parents understood Deuteronomy 6. They raised her in a Christian home. They preached the gospel to her all times, all places. They read the Bible to her. Um, and, yeah. and she's, according to her verse, she's saved when she's four years old. Um, she doesn't have a horror story. She gives all the glory to God. She was saved right. in her youth kind of thing. And Alistair Begg actually has a, he doesn't really talk about his conversion very much, but I do remember in one of his sermons that, you know, his dad, his mom took him to Sunday school all the time. And he came home from Sunday school when he was five years old, kind of asked his dad a couple questions and maybe said a prayer, however his story goes. And he's confident that he was saved when he was five years old. So my answer to Zora was, no, you don't have to have a horror story. You don't have to live a horrendous, sinful life in order to be saved. Right. There's many different situations. And you and your street preaching, you see all types of people. Um, do you yeah, want to take definitely. the ball for a second? Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's actually realizing that without, without Jesus, your life is a horror story. And, and the, the end of it is, like most horror stories, you know, and it's, it's death, you know, and, and, and that's why, and, and death wins in one sense, you know, ultimately one day death and Hades and Satan will all be destroyed, cast into the lake of fire. But if you recall, I think I saw a trailer for scream five uh, recently. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I'm like, you know, when death, when death isn't destroyed, it just, it, it never, it, it never ends. The horror the horror of the reality of it, it, it never ends. There's, it always finds a way to, to come back to rear its own ugly head. Uh, it's, it's a theme. Me and my daughters just recently watched all of the Ninja Turtle movies. Mm -hmm. And I uh, guess who the common enemy in every Ninja Turtle movie is. Shredder. It's Shredder. Yeah. He all, he always comes back. Right. And, but in the gospel story, death has no sting death is finally defeated, but without Jesus, um, I think you do have to realize like, yeah, the question could be, do you have to go through a horror story in order to come to, you know, genuine repentance and faith in Christ? It's, it's no, but you do have to recognize and realize that because of your sin in light of a holy God, that you are miserable and you are, whether you know it, believe it or not, uh, you are living a horror story without Jesus. And unfortunately, when the tables are turned, fortunately for believers, but um, unfortunately for those who reject Christ, 
although death death will be destroyed, uh, the justice and wrath of God um, will prevail for an eternity um, where the worm doesn't die, right? And yeah. uh, and so as we mentioned earlier, you know the the gospel being the good news of salvation, you know, de- declaring that men and women and children everywhere, regardless of uh, of nation or tongue, that they can be forgiven of their sins and made full citizens of the kingdom of God when they repent and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation from God's good judgment and for freedom and victory over sin and Satan in the world, and not by their merits or their believing, but because of the all-sufficient grace of God that is mighty to save. What should be a horror story for the rest of your life and then into eternity actually ends up being um, a glorious story about a God who is willing to take horror upon his own shoulders on behalf of people who don't deserve it, and then to raise from the dead, not to inflict uh, horror on his people, but to save them from the horror that they're, they're under. And so, I mean, the gospel story is, uh, I think is, is beautiful there, right? Um, oh, it's, yeah. it's glorious. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Like, it's I the am, greatest I, story I, ever I, told. I'm saved from righteous horror that I deserve, and I'm freed from unrighteous horror of sin and Satan in the world um, that is inflicted on me. And so, the, you know, there's many facets of the gospel that we can flesh out there, but I think that those are some of them where we get to say, you know, I, I, I didn't have a horror story, but I've been saved. Uh, I, I see myself in my sin and my misery and my need for Jesus. And that misery is a horror when you realize what my life would be like without Christ, that is scary. Whether I'm the rich man or I'm Lazarus, whether I'm living in, a, in an ivory tower or I'm outside of the city gates with dogs licking my wounds, without Jesus, it's a horror story. So yeah, and in the streets, I get to see that. I get to see that a lot, not only uh, in the message that I'm proclaiming, realizing that about my own, my own uh, eternal estate without the righteousness of Jesus without his blood covering my sins, without the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God uh, to have saved me from the hell that I deserve and the horror that my life was in, as well as being adopted as a son and a daughter of the most high uh, because of his great and glorious grace and his gifts of repentance and faith, where I get to receive the righteousness of Jesus and all the benefits thereafter that are sealed for me as an inheritance through the Holy Spirit. So, um, yeah, you see that all the time. You see people walking in horror. You see people living in it, and you get to see people redeemed from it. Yeah, you know, I, I could tell you countless stories. And uh, I know this last Tuesday we, we had run into uh, a dear sister who actually came to Repentance and Faith on the corner of Burton Eastern named Naya. And I won't go into her whole story, but I just want to interject because I don't know we yep. if we explicitly said it. But you every Tuesday night you actually go you you're from Grand Rapids or you live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and you go out with um, a group of people from not necessarily just from your congregation, but from neighboring congregations as well. And you go out yep. on on Burton and what is the cross street? It's uh, Burton and Eastern, or we call it B and E, breaking and entering. There you go. And you and you proclaim the gospel. gospel. (laughs) Yeah, you proclaim the gospel. You street preach. Carry on. Yeah, sorry, I didn't clarify. I I had assumed that people were listening. That the whole world has been listening to your awesome (laughs) podcast, and uh, it's getting up there. You know, 
Yeah, to the, to the two people who are actually listening to it, you're, myself and you. Um, we we and av- have three people. Any guess? <laughs> there, there's actually an average of between twenty and forty listeners per episode. So, dude, amen. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. That's what I'm saying. What? It doesn't, and that's where I. This is kind of a, a little segue, or not a segue, but a detour out of the conversation. But um, yeah. a lot of times when you're in a church congregation, like numbers are a big thing. Like, oh, you know, we, we need to grow the congregation and we need more people and all this kind of stuff. And right. I, I'm not I'm not about that at all. I'm about the people that are there, strengthen those people. The 20 right, or 40 right. listeners that I have that are that are spending their valuable time, we all have 24 hours in a day. Every single one of right. us. Nobody has more or less than 24 hours in a day. Um, right. But for those people that are listening to this, like I want to encourage you, I want to edify you, I wanted to um, you to do the same to me by you know sending comments, sending emails, saying whatever, right. asking questions, um, saying that yeah, you disagree with something, church. yeah, saying with something that maybe I said that's not clear that you're disagreeing <laughs> with. But no, that's how that's how we grow. That's how. We are supposed to, a Christian that lives by themselves in their home and doesn't interact with other people, as far as I'm concerned, is a very poor Christian because we strengthen yeah. the body by yeah. by working together, by being together, by encouraging, edifying. People don't like this, but admonishing each other. If you're blatantly walking yeah. in sin, it's your brother and sister in Christ who should be loving to you and say, hey, What's going on here? And that's where your street preaching comes. You're, you're not the fire and brimstone. You are the law and the gospel. You are the comb yeah, the yeah, hair yeah. with the brush. And yeah, this might hurt. Seeing your sin, seeing somebody else point out your sin, that's going to make you uncomfortable, whether you're a Christian yeah. or whether you're not. But that's one of the things about charity and Christian love is recognizing, you know what? This man isn't trying to... Uh, belittle me or isn't trying to just stomp on me. He's trying to save me from the fire. He's trying to right. encourage me in the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, so I yeah, guess the, the, the main point there is however many people you have in your congregation, however many people you have in your family, encourage each other. Read the Bible together. Don't amen. focus on this is going to sound horrible. So, you know, one day this sound bite comes out. <laughs> Don't focus on evangelizing the community. Seriously. Don't focus on that because if you're building up Christians, the evangelizing of the community oh, is I a fruit yeah. of that. Right. It right. comes Amen. out from that. Um, and I think you have said many times that the people that are around you and encouraging you, that's why you're out there evangelizing is because you have yeah. this firm foundation in Jesus Christ and brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I'm getting all worked up about this right now. No, man, you're, you're making a lot of, a lot of good points because a lot of times the church, because it's circumstance, it seems like we have to try to do that in, in reverse. The, the the difficulty, you know, you, you want to be faithful, as you said. You know, if you look at the early church in, like, say, Acts chapter 2, as the gospel is going forth, the gospel always, as far as I can tell, it always comes out of a community that is gathered together. You think of the upper room, 
you know, they joyfully were going to go into Jerusalem to share the gospel. So the Lord has them wait in the upper room. Um, then they come out and they're proclaiming the gospel. And as the church grows, they're meeting together, breaking bread. The, the means of grace is happening. And as you can I interrupt grow, for just like a second Christian community. Yeah. Yeah. What were they, what were they doing in that upper room? Uh, uh, praying, waiting, praying together, fellowshipping. Yeah. They were together. Yeah. The believers were together praying. This isn't a call to just, just sit around and wait because no, that's obviously not what they were doing. It was a specific instruction for them to wait right. for the Holy spirit to come upon them. Um, in revival in the Pentecost, the praying, and that's one of the we're going through uh, um, D. A. Carson's uh, the prayers of Paul in uh, in our Sunday school adult Sunday school right now. Okay, and it I mean it's basically encouraging everyone like in our prayer life. How is your prayer life? Well, if you're honest, you're probably going to say, yeah, it needs some work, <laughs> and. Um, but this is what we're doing as a congregation. We're not setting up committees to try and get people in the door. We're not, you know, focusing on, well, maybe we need better audio system or maybe we need a better lighting or, you know, whatever kind of thing. No, we're, we're focusing on what it means to pray. And I love that. And this is something that we could do for the next 10 years and still probably struggle at it. You know, ironically, uh, as I'm going through Ephesians six, the in, in the end, I, I I've never heard it in a in a sermon, but something I've always, especially like in my non-denominational uh, charismatic uh, background, and, and I mean that by word of faith movement and health, uh-huh. wealth, prosperity is where you usually hear spiritual sermons. You grew up in sermons, word of faith. Uh, well, when I first came to repentance and faith, that was the circle that that wow. I was in. Um, yeah, it was it was bad, dude. I could tell you stories. Well, about no, but I mean that's backpack and. Did you listen to? Oh, actually, now I don't want to put words in my in in people's mouths. But I think the the first gym that came on with Tommy, I think he was word of faith. Oh really? When he, he, he may have walked. Yeah, that's uh, it, it. Yeah, it wreaked havoc. Um, but praise God for His word. Um, but I was referring to uh, at the end of Ephesians in the uh, in the armor. Um, you know, we usually end with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Um, but, and usually we, we make mention like there's in the armor of God, it's all defense. And then you have this offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit. Uh, but there's a way that you wield that sword. And Paul, I believe, uh, finishes, you know, that you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit. And so I think that the secondary prayer and supplication, right? It's, it's prayer. Prayer is, it's not just wielding the the sword of the spirit, the word of God, but if you're not wielding it with prayer, with communion with God, um, then then you're, you're holding people use the word of God in vain all the time. Like you said, you could be an open air preacher and be a fire and brimstone beating people with the Bible, um, using it in such a way that, that you're not in, it's clear that you're not in communion with the Prince of Peace. Um, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be firm and bold um, and urgent in our call to expose darkness to light. There's things that we need to say and ways that we need to communicate the truth and love with boldness and urgency. However, you cannot wield the sword properly unless, unless you're praying 
uh, and with all supplication and being, being alert, praying for the saints. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's always a communal aspect and that's what I've always loved about uh, the Bible about warfare is typically, I mean, I can't imagine you, you always got a battle buddy and that's kind of a fun like thing that we use in the military. Um, you always have someone else who's with you. Someone else has your six. The gospel, while, it, while it's, you're saved personally, you're not saved privately. Um, the, go- the, the Christian life is not a private life where you're saved privately and then you just stay in your little basement or whatever. And you never go out, like you said earlier. Uh, you're saved personally by God's proclamation. And then, and then you're called to publicly uh, proclaim, display, act. Um, you're publicly living out your Christian life. Part of that is being part of the family of God and, and not hiding. I mean, uh, so yeah, you just, you just make a really good point with the, uh, the importance of prayer. What a foundational blessing that we get to participate in, 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 in prayers. We're engaging our community. We're engaging each other in community. I meant like the community of saints, but also the community outside of the local church. Um, you just make a really good point there, man. There's so many places. I walked all over your story, and I apologize, but I'm going to keep going here. No, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's fine, man. Whatever the point of today's like theme is, well, uh, that's, let's get I, to that. I have a point, but I'm like, my mind is going all over the place. Because two episodes ago, when or two episodes prior of Stephen, we had the compelled, and you were talking about your street, street preaching. And then the last one that we did was Fool's. And that's where I took you on a, a roller coaster ride or down the rabbit hole. That, yeah, that I, I I knew <laughs> I knew kind of the 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 destinations that I wanted to touch at, but I had no idea ultimately where it was going to go. Um, and this this one, I want to take it here because I I feel like we're going to take this and run with it too. You're so, right. Let's give some good order. So so hunger so talking to my daughter then i asked her the questions like well who is jesus and she you know jesus is my lord and savior and you know do you recognize yourself as a sinner well yes i'm i'm sinful i i know that and she's giving the she she's showing me a knowledge of what she, i not just you know what is god's word the bible who is god's son like she's not just right. giving the sunday school answers she's actually giving answers to these questions and and I I encouraged her the same thing that I encourage everybody on the podcast, which is read your Bible on your own. Don't just wait to hear it in church. Don't just wait when we do family worships. Get in the habit of private Bible reading because that's yeah, that's the time that you have more than anything else. Your private time, even if you're a parent, <laughs> like you can stay up late or you can get up early, one of the two things. But you have private time for reading of scripture, and you do have private time for prayer. That's yeah, one yeah. of those things that when I worked at uh, I worked at a fancy hotel here in St. Paul. To our shame, you know, the Muslims had their hour of prayer, where they would take their break over lunchtime for 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, and they would go pray. Now, I'm not encouraging praying to Allah here. The notion of it is setting aside specific time where you say i'm going to pray i'm going to go off and pray and getting right, into that there's something to be said about that for christians especially because we have we we make our time we have so much time doing different things that 
all things considered, maybe aren't the most important thing. Sure. But setting aside time to prayer. So it was reading scripture and it was praying. And then I prayed with her as well, that she would have the full assurance, that she would know who her Savior truly is, that she would know God. J.I. Packer has a very, I haven't read it yet, but it's on my book, uh, on my to-do list kind of thing, is Knowing God. Um, Have you ever read that? I have it. I have the book, but I have not uh, been able to read it yet. You and I both have not read it yet. Like, dang, Um, I want to so bad. It's one of those, like, essentials, apparently, so. So, but back at see it because I'm going all over the place. Back to the table talk then, because the very next thing after the prison letter, the the meanest man in Texas, was an article about first of all, the the title of the section is Heart Aflame, which yeah, love that visual. Um, and then the yeah. heading is Hungry and Thirsty for Righteousness. I think of all the first of all, of all the Beatitudes. This is probably the one that I go to more often than not in just kind of not casual conversation, but it seems to pop up more than any of the others. Poor in spirit definitely comes into my mind more than anything else. Like you were talking about being convicted of your sin, understanding Mm -hmm. that you are a sinner, poor in spirit there. Um, Mourning for your sin, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, Shailen also has a great uh, line in a song. If you think it's easy being meek, try being meek for a week. Yeah, <laughs> not happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can try all you want, but it, it's it's a fruit that needs to come out. And it's something that you need to be praying about and you need to be in God's word about. The fourth one then, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Just in case there is somebody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew has, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Ultimate, not ultimately, but further down, hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the beatitude that I usually, I, I said it to my daughter, you know, we ought to be hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm going way too fast here. But the article points out four different ways. It says the Bible speaks of righteousness in four related ways, all of which should make our spiritual mouths water one justice two righteous character three rightness with god and four the lord our righteousness well so this is this would take forever to go not forever but it would take longer than i want to on the podcast to actually go through everything that this entails so i unfortunately am kind of going to be jumping across the plane here number three rightness rightness with god i i think I was listening to a Lloyd-Jones sermon the other day on Galatians 1, verses 3 to 5. And it was talking about our salvation. It was talking about what it means to be saved by grace. And I, I don't know how Word of Faith handles it. I don't know how different denominations handle it. But there's always this danger of just saying, okay, well, my salvation means that I'm forgiven of my sins. I get to go to heaven. Like that's where it stops. It's just forgiveness of sins. 
But there's more to it. There's so much more to it. Not only are we forgiven of our sins, which we rightfully need, but we also are reconciled to God. We have rightness with God, which is the most amazing thing ever because we were dead in our sin. We were cut off from the garden. We were cut off from a relationship with the almighty God who is holy, holy, holy. We need to be right with God, not just a forgiveness of sins, not just that alone. It's part of it, definitely. But this reconciliation to God and the the passage that I highlighted from the article, for our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Um, yep. It goes on to Philippians 3, verse 8 to 9. We, be, we long to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. This is amazing. Yeah, and amen. unfortunately, a lot of times we stop at forgiveness of sins. We don't even go yeah, on do. to the righteousness to being reconciled to God. The other aspect is being the throne of grace is now open to us in Christ. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. That's another part of salvation that's kind of yeah. forgotten <laughs> here and there. Right. We have the medi- the one mediator. There is none other. Nobody else. Anybody who thinks there's other ways to God or other avenues that you can take to God, there's the one mediator in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is amazing. The final thing, which I'm skipping over everything, but the Lord is our righteousness, is it latches into the end of our last episode, which I was like, oh, of course I need to talk about this because it's when the Lord, our righteousness arrived in person, the apostle Paul declared Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. First Corinthians one verse 30. And that was the rabbit hole last time was Christ becoming our wisdom. But no, he didn't just become our wisdom. He also became our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. And this is so awesome. (laughs) And this is what happens when my daughter throws up three times. (laughs) I get to talk to her about this. Which she's fine today, by the way. This was yesterday. She's fine today. She's back at school. No more fever. No more blowing chunks. We didn't get to watch teenage. uh, (laughs) What's that? I'm sorry. Go for it. uh, It's it's amazing you're you're bringing that up because I mentioned earlier we we had a difficult night with one of our daughters and and through a, a a lengthy portion in the evening. Anyways, as part of discipline in my household, when we're repenting after we've offended someone in the home, uh, not only do we uh, encourage going up to mom or dad, whomever you sinned against, or or a mom and dad coming to you, which I had to do, um, asking for forgiveness, that feels great. 
Cora, will you forgive me for the sin that I committed against you? I was impatient. I was angry. It was not okay for me to talk to you like that. Will you forgive me? Yes, dad, I forgive you. Feels great. But what we encourage next is a hug. Oh yeah. Forgiveness has happened. Now we're having reconciliation. And doesn't it feel good to know to Cora or to me, uh, sweetheart, you've asked for forgiveness. It's been granted you. Now you have reconciliation and you're being embraced by a warm, beautiful, all encompassing hug from your father, from your mother, from the person that you had offended. And then we remind our children Uh, nothing can separate you from our love. We are for you. We're not against you. And we love you. You know, that is, uh, as you said, it it, it can't stop at your sins are forgiven. Um, They are. You're justified through faith in Christ. Your sins are forgiven. But it it needs to move forward into adoption, Mm -hmm. reconciliation. We have a heavenly father um, who loves us. And like you said, there's, there's all these other wonderful things. We have access to God through faith in Jesus Christ. We don't have a worthless mediator, but we have the mediator, the God-man Christ Jesus. And so we can come to our Heavenly Father anytime, anytime we are. We, we have, uh, I think Ephesians calls it, uh, we have bold, uh, I can't remember the whole thing, but, but in, in essence, we have boldness and access to the throne of grace uh, with confidence before God through faith in Jesus Christ. And, um, you're just, sp- you're just spot on brother. You're spot on to, you know, the, the, the gospel is deep. It's multifaceted. There's more, there's more to hear. And we don't always get to cover all that, you know, in a three minute, you know, or a 30 second gospel presentation, but, but we have to remember to get there, you know? So guess who I got a quote from <laughs> who's that? <laughs> You got to guess. Martin Lloyd-Jones? Here we go. (laughs) So the the heading of this Table Talk article for Hungry and Thirsty for Righteousness was Heart of Flame. Not connected in any way because he probably wrote this about 60 years ago. The burning heart is the one great need and necessity of every one of us. Do you have it? If you have not realized why you have not, you are a fool. You are not giving your time to this. You are spending your time with your television or your radio or your newspaper. Give time to the scriptures. Bring your mind at its best. Discipline it. Read the scriptures. Start in Genesis and go all the way through, but never read without praying for the Spirit to enlighten your eyes and to to open them and to give you understanding. Ask for this blessed unction and anointing that alone can enable you to find Christ. Look for him, the living Christ, the resurrected Christ. Look for him everywhere in the scriptures. We must not spend most of our time in analysis of the problems. Shame on us. Let us stop looking at our problems. Let us search for him in the scriptures and find him and look at him and bask in the sunshine of his face until our cold hearts begin to burn. That's from, uh, there's uh, a book called Setting Our Affections Upon Glory, Nine Sermons on the Gospel in the Church that is available on Kindle because obviously that's where I read it because it's like a Kindle quote or whatever. Um, (laughs) You had, this is kind of a segue while we're wrapping up here, but you had um, 
Oh, see, I, okay, I'm going to save it for next time because I don't remember. Your your influences on your on your uh like uh your blog or whatever you had. Remind remind me next time to go over that okay. kind of stuff because we're we're wrapping up here and I I didn't even we we never get through <laughs> everything that I have laid out <laughs> because the plans that I make are not compared to the plans that our our God has for us. Um, yeah, amen. And I mean, I'm almost glad that I'm so forgetful and disorganized because I can't, if I tried to do things like I'd fail, I I just, it would just be like, just bleh, coming out of my mouth, <laughs> <laughs> which if you remember, that's what the last time I actually went to the Beatitudes, I think was episode three. And when you had first listened to episode three of the podcast, like you sent me a mail. Uh, a message and we're like, wow, that ended on a cliffhanger there. If you go back and listen to it, it's like, obviously I'm on a different microphone than we recorded it on. And I record some line like, and we're going to wrap it up here because I cut it off because I was so adamant in trying to just like exposit scripture to Tommy. And it wasn't working at all because I was trying to do it. I was trying to be the one that says, Hey, I can do this. I can exposit scripture to Tommy. No, I can't. Tommy needs to go and hear preachers preach. Tommy needs to read his Bible. Tommy needs to do all the things that we all need to do, which is hear faithful gospel preaching, be in the word, be in prayer, be in fellowship with other believers, and um, and, and, and um, breaking bread with them as well. I don't know if I'm leaving anything out. Witnessing baptisms. I mean, that's in there too, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> talking about the signs and the seals. That's reformed theology right there. Um, I had yeah. no I had no concept or understanding of signs and seals two, three years ago. But now it's one of the greatest blessings that I, I see and witness and I, I love it. It's so wonderful. Incredible. Wow, we're we're kind of wrapping up. Uh, do you have any idea how to wrap this one up? It's going to be called hungry. I mean, it is, but are you hungry for lunch? I mean, <laughs> I mean I, honestly, I'm I haven't sorry. eaten yet, but <laughs> this will be the but, episode um, where we break for lunch, I guess. Yeah. You know, we, we could, to- yeah, we could totally do that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're asking me to close out, I'm, I'm fine with that. I can, I'm sure I can think of some like hungry, well, well, honestly, I'm, yeah, I'm being interrupted in my mind by hungry, hungry hippos. I, well, um, we we had a life, the school that we just, <laughs> we, we had like a harvest festival at the kids' school and they had a life-size hungry, hungry hippos. So you like bungee corded yourself to what? the side and you had to like stretch the bungee cord and grab a tennis ball That's in the middle dope. and bring it back. Um, my son Alaric is 10 and he weighs, you know, like 50 or 60 pounds. He's super skinny. So it was, it was launching them backwards. Mm. It was awesome. I bet he was a dart. He, oh. he loved it. It was great. Wow. I really <laughs> sidetracked us here. Well, so I did get this hymn that we sang on uh, a Sunday, kind of added poetry to the end of episodes here. Do you know Praise the Savior by Fortunatus? 530 to 609. If you, if you have means to look it up here, that would be awesome because then we can What's it called? praise the Savior. Okay, so I have the, yeah, it looks like I have it here now. Do you have four verses? Um, I have or, oh, four. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. 
Yeah, it's four all together. Yes. Okay. Cool. I don't know how to read music. So. You take the even. I'll take the odd because I am odd. Roger that. Roger that. <laughs> roger, roger that. Truly true. Okay. <laughs> so praise the savior by uh, Fortunatus from like, what, 1500 years ago? Praise the Savior now and ever. Praise him all beneath the skies. Prostrate, lying, suffering, dying. On the cross, a sacrifice. Victory gaining, life obtaining. Now in glory he doth rise. Man's work faileth. Christ faileth. He is all our righteousness. He, our Savior, has forever set us free from dire distress. Through his merit, we inherit light and peace and happiness sins bonds severed were delivered christ has bruised the serpent's head death no longer is the stronger hell itself is captive led christ has risen from death's prison or the tomb he light has shed for his favor praise forever unto god the father sing praise the savior praise him ever son of god our lord and king Praise the Spirit, through Christ's merit, he doth us salvation bring. And that's the gospel, my friend. That yeah. is, those are beautiful, beautiful words that our brother from five, 1,500 years ago mm. wrote down. And we now get to recite them, we get to sing them, we get to glorify wow. God with the same words. Christ, the Holy Spirit, builds his church up and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Last word, Stephen. Jesus is looking for lost sheep today. Heaven is waiting to rejoice over even one sinner that repents today. And if you've heard the good news on this podcast If you've heard the good shepherd's voice on this podcast, don't hold back any longer, but come and he will give you rest.